Welcome to the Punting is Winning podcast. Just two fans talking all things Hawkeyes. Here are your hosts, J.D. and Keith. Welcome to episode number two of Punting is Winning. Um, your host, Keith, and this is my co-host, J.D. A uh, little, little bit about us. Um, I grew up a Hawkeye fan from probably about 1979, uh, about the time Hayden Fry started. Um, been following football, basketball ever since then. I was what, eight years old, I think, at the time, so uh, been... 40-plus you know, years, so um, followed him all the way through. was a season ticket holder during the uh, the early years of the Kirk Ferentz era. Um, actually, my first football game was in 1989, I believe. Uh, Iowa played Michigan State, got beat 17-14, but it kind of sold me on, on wanting to go to the games. And then uh, um, went to... When, once Kirk Ferentz got here, started getting season tickets, watched uh, the rebirth of, of Iowa football at that point. So what about you? Well, I'm much the same way you are. I grew up a Hawkeye fan, didn't have much of a choice in the house I grew up in. You're a Hawkeye fan or well, you were out of the house. We, we did get a lot of Michigan games in too, so to be fair, could yeah. have been Michigan fans, but thankfully we're not. I guess I never really did sign on to the Michigan thing, but... Uh, yeah, I, my first, I'm a little bit older than you are, but my first memories were um, 1978. This is going to kind of date me a little bit, but when uh, punt, pass, and kick was in its heyday back in the 70s, I actually won the local competition. And, As did I. And, and I know you did. And we uh, got to go to... Kinnick Stadium for the next round, which I don't know if they call it regionals or state, but so we went and it was a very cold November day, and that round, of course, this is natural turf or not natural turf. This is artificial yeah. turf back then. It was that old stuff. It was like concrete, concrete, and it was cold that day, and that ground was hard, and all I wanted to do was kick, pass, and punt, and get out of there, and so I didn't do well, but. I got to go there, and I got to be on the field, so that was kind of nice. And uh, we, I remember very distinctly, we hid behind those. Where, where you the tunnel in, entrances. The tunnels yeah. entrances. We hid yeah. behind that to get out of the wind. It was so bitterly cold that day. And, uh, but uh, I guess it really kind of solidified me when I went and started watching the basketball team about 1980. Uh, Steve Craftson, Steve Waite, Kenny Arnold. That was the that was kind of what really sold me on the basketball team, and the football team just kind of went from there when Hayden took over. I became a fan from that point. Not only we watched every game, we taped every game. Um, it was just it was a ritual, and that's what we did. That's how we became fans. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm the better for it or not because we've had some pretty lean years, but we've had some really really good years I, my dad would tell you about the Lauderbur and Burns days and how horrible Iowa was and, you know with being a Ferentz and Hayden Fry disciple I guess you could say uh, we didn't get the opportunity to other than Ferentz's first year to really see the down part of, 
of the Hawkeye football. Yeah, uh, we've been fortunate. Yeah, we have really, you know, spoiled that, to the to a point. And like you, I I got season tickets in the in the uh, early two thousands, and uh, I think I went seven or eight straight years, every game, home game, and then even went to the two thousand and two Michigan or Minnesota game up there, and I got story to tell you about that, but we'll 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 save that for another day, but. I tell you, I spent a lot of time and a lot of money going to Hawkeye events, basketball, football. I even went to a baseball game or two, and uh, we could go into that another time too. But yeah, your uh, the the head baseball coach at Iowa was your head baseball coach at Upper Iowa. Yeah, I played college so. baseball um, for four years, two years at Indian Hills, two years at Upper Iowa. Actually, was recruited to play at Upper Iowa by Rick Heller, who is, as everybody knows, the foot or the baseball coach at Iowa. And uh, doing quite well, yeah. I must say. He and, definitely uh, has a heck of a team this year. I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of what he's done, and I'm excited for the future of Iowa baseball. You know, you mentioned that punt, pass, and kick, and, and I look at the irony of that, how cold that was that day to us, and then we've sat through colder games and didn't mind. I mean, I think back to the, what was it, the 1991 or 92 Minnesota game that they played, right? The Dane and Hughes Snow Angel game. Yep, I was there. Uh, I, I, I lasted a half. I'd, I'd gone up my, one of my buddies' his freshman year at Iowa that year, and I'd gone up the night before, and I walked over there from the dorms, and I lasted through the first half, and I said, nope, I'm done. I was not prepared for it. I didn't, you know, I wasn't expecting it the night before, so... I yeah, was... we, we did too. We came up the night before, stayed at a hotel, and when I left, I really didn't think too much about what, I knew that they were talking about snow, but I didn't really think too much about, you know, how much could it be, uh, how cold could it get, so I just wore a jacket, heavy jacket, and, and a stocking hat. I forgot my boots. I had tennis shoes on, and my feet were frozen, and we were, I can remember this distinctly, we sat on we were, at this point in time, we were in the 50-yard line, about two, two rows up on the visitor side. That's where mm-hmm. our seats were. And I remember walking in up above and walking down those steps. And we weren't the first ones that had been through there, I can tell you that. And those steps were not steps. They were just one giant slide. They had, they had pra- packed down that snow, and that just, it was treacherous. You almost wanted to walk over the steps. Seats mm-hmm. to get down there because the the stairs were just a glaze of ice, and I could see people slipping and sliding and falling down through there. And I was like, "This is this is dangerous." But we had a good game. I stayed. I think I stayed till I don't know the third quarter, end of the third maybe, and said, "That's it. I if I want to have toes for the rest of my life, I better get out of here now." Yeah, yeah. I'd say that was probably one of the few. Yeah, I'd say maybe one of two or three games that I think I've left early. Um, one being that game and then uh, Penn State game in 2019, uh, the night game. We, we left a little bit early for that, too, and I missed the uh, the Brandon Smith touchdown. That uh, oh, I, I didn't want to leave early, but the people I was with wanted to go, so yeah. I had no choice. I didn't drive. So I know there was a game that... We went to right, it was a week after everybody was saying how cold it was. I think it was, I don't know if it was Penn State. We went to Purdue. I remember that. It was very cold, windy, kind of almost uh, icy rain. And that was miserable. I was, of course, I was later on in life, I was prepared for it. So I addressed to the hilt. I 
four layers on. I had two two different sets of gloves, like a thin pair and a thicker pair. I didn't really, other than my cheeks, I really didn't get cold that day. But it was uh, it was not one of the more fun games to be at. Then we've also been to the games where like Hawaii. You remember that Hawaii game back in the? Well, I was probably early nineties. Early nineties. It had to be a hundred degrees that day, or, or very close to it. And then when you get on the field, it was like a hundred. I, I was not at that game. People were passing out. It was so hot. I'd say the coldest game that I was ever at was 2000. Um, the upset went over Northwestern. Oh. Yeah, that was, I had a guy offer me 100 bucks for my coat. And I said, if I wouldn't freeze to death, I'd take the 100 bucks. But this was early in the game, and I was like, no, sorry, I can't do it. Back then, I'd pay for two tickets. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's I, I had my, my season tickets were from about nineteen ninety-nine to twenty eleven, I think. Um, and it just got to the point where I just I physically I just can't make that trek anymore. It's just it's I'm not that old, but it still kills my body. So Well, it's an all day thing. If yeah. it's a Saturday morning you want to get there to tailgate early, then by the time the game's over at let's say two two fifteen, by the time you walk back to your vehicle you tailgate a little bit more like traffic go down so that you can you know don't have to sit with your car idling for hours on end you know by the time i make the 140 mile trip back home to central iowa you know you felt terrible the next day because you're still so tired mm-hmm. so it, it basically used up an entire weekend and it got difficult later on as i got older i didn't bounce back as fast and i had a job that i was on ladders all the time so it, it just it affected me more than just Saturday and Sunday. It affected me clear into Monday and Tuesday. So something had to go. Heaven forbid that it was a night game because we were, we would leave Southern Iowa at two thirty in the morning, and we would get up because you know, we always had to have our breakfast ritual at IHOP there in Coralville, and make sure that we were in the parking lots by six o'clock in the morning at the latest, and you know six o'clock, seven o'clock evening game. You're Tailgating all day long. All day. And, yeah, it was, and it got long. Those were those were the days, though. It yeah. was fun still. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, good times. Let's say we get into uh, a little uh, Hawkeye talk here outside of our fandom. Um, and let's uh, talk a little bit about Beth Getz being named the AD. I really like the fact that they removed the interim uh, tag. tag from... Mm-hmm. Miss Getz, I, I like the, that they they waited, they took their time, but they made the right decision. Yeah. And she, I think one of the things that... that she helps, seems to be well-respected in the... In oh, very well-respected. I'm with a good resume, and I, I'm glad that she's not going to be part of the good old boys club that, that Barda and Ferentz and some of those others uh, kind of had a reputation of having. And I don't think she's going to be influenced by... Some of the things that Kirk wants, he's going to say, this is what's best for the program, not necessarily what's best for you. Yeah. She's not going to be strong-armed. Exactly. And I like that, and I, I think that she's going to do a very good job, and she's going to do the, the tough things that Gary didn't do that should have done. And well, you know, I, I, the thing that I like is the fact that she's embraced the NIL. She's embraced the swarm. Um, that's, that's huge. You know, I, I don't understand why. And I guess maybe it's it's Barta not knowing or being a little 
on the senior side of things? Well, I think he wanted to take kind of a step back and look at things, how they are coming in, and then, and then make a judgment based. But then he was always dragging his feet. He never really it made the it made the appearance that he just didn't care care about it or didn't really know enough about it to even make a decision on anything. I, I get wanting to vet that out, that process out, and make sure that you're following all the rules, that you're not you know you're not twisting something where you can get yourself in trouble later. But I think. You know, you watched it happening and you see other teams not being penalized for something, you can probably pretty safely assume that you're gonna you're gonna be able to do it as well. Right. So right. you know, I, I really like that she did that. I really like that she's embraced that. Um, and I think that will that will pay dividends because you know, you allow the university to help self promote that that you know, you get the word out more, you know. A lot of these older people who don't follow the social media aspect of things, don't necessarily jump on the message boards. They, they may not even know about it. They know there's an NIL collective, but have no idea how to, to either donate to it or, or what it even entails. So, you know, putting that with the university and allowing the university to do a little self-promotion of that, uh, that's where those older, that older crowd has the opportunity to see that if they're not the social media lights like that we see. You know, granted, there's a lot of the, the, fandom is that that social media age too so i mean we're not talking a huge boost to the swarm but it, it could be significant you know i think one of the things that i'm hearing from just around the campus is that she's going to try to move the students back into a section of harbor hawkeye arena which you know right now long it's, overdue it, it is way overdue it should have happened years ago um entice the students back in they're the ones that are loud they're the ones that's going to get the team motivated mm -hmm. not sitting on your hands and knitting and that's what you know you that's, keep hearing that's now. the carver crowd that's the carver crowd that's what you keep hearing well, about us let's let's not say that's the carver crowd that's the carver crowd that's catered to yeah you know and, and no offense to the the older generation the boomers that are that are paying their money to go to these games but you want a team to be competitive you want a team to have that fire you've got to have you got to have some, some yeah you've got to have some fandom that that puts gets the fire lit underneath them and you look at the teams you know duke michigan state what's the commonality you got the cameron crazies and the izzo and they're right on the floor yes and and uh, the orange crush at illinois i hate to talk helps. illinois if you don't think that helps that team you're crazy because it does yeah you know, you, you talk to all these kids that have graduated and they've gone on to, to play and you ask them, hey, what was the toughest place you ever played in? I didn't hear a single one of them say Carver Hawkeye Arena. Not one. No, and then, then you've got a place like Purdue where I don't know that they have a dedicated student section. They just have a raucous fan situation in the in general. I mean, that's, that's probably the toughest place in the Big Ten to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it doesn't hurt that you're number two in the nation either. Well, yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. So, but I think you know, talking a little bit more about the uh, the swarm, um, the effects of the swarm, Aiden Proctor. Yes, know, that's that's a welcome addition. I was not one of those. You know, I, I can I can honestly say I was not one of those that badmouthed the kid when he decided to go to Alabama. I wasn't happy about it. Well, you know, I've I've never been through what he's been through, obviously. But when you when you're looking at that and you're seeing, you know, you. You want to be a Hawkeye. You've been wanting to be a Hawkeye your whole life. And then all of a sudden, man, this guy comes in and he starts promising you the world and, and basically telling you you're going to be in the 
college playoff if you play for me. At some point in your career, you will be in the playoff. If not, you're not going to be a national champion. And that's what Alabama has to sell. And why wouldn't you buy it? They can provide it. And, and you know, in today's day and age with the transfer portal, you yeah. could go two, three years to an Alabama and then transfer to your dream school if Absolutely. you wanted to. <laughs> or one year at Alabama yeah, and come exactly. back to Iowa. You know, and I think in his situation, it, it was more, I think he was homesick. You know, I, it, that's a long way to go yeah. when you're when you're an Iowa kid, especially. I mean, there some people, they're built to get away from Iowa. Right. And some people are just, hey, you know, this, this laid back atmosphere in this state is more to their liking. And, you know, you get into the Alabamas and, and the fandom down there, if you screw up, you're, you're bad mouth. And, you know, and that's not to say you're not going to be in any other fan base, but, you know, a kid like this, you know, having that ability going to the University of Iowa, you're going to be more revered than you're going to be reviled. Right. You know, so, but kudos to him. He went, did he followed what he wanted to do. He didn't let the background noise sway him. And now he's back where, we as Hawkeye fans wanted him in the first place, and I probably where he wanted to be in the first place. I just think they the, the glitter was too too much for him, and he wanted to do that. Well, and then you throw in the fact that he was a he was a starter at Alabama yeah. at probably the the toughest line position, playing in the SEC. Now, granted, I, I guarantee you that the defenses in the Big Ten are probably better than the SEC, with the exception of a couple of teams like a Georgia or. Um, LSU, well, LSU's defense is a little suspect. They put up a lot, give up a lot of points. But anyway, the point being is, there's there's more stout defenses per capita in the Big Ten than there are in pretty much any other. Conference. Well, I have to agree. One of the things though that there was a, a faction of the Hawkeye fan base that when he left, they were just like, "I'm done with him. He screwed us over. He left yeah, in the twelfth hour, left us hanging. Now he got nothing." Now the kid wants to come back. I say bring him back. Be happy. If he can help the Hawkeye football team, I am more than willing to give the kid a second chance. I didn't say anything negative about him to begin with, other than I was disappointed that he decided to leave Iowa hanging. But now he's coming back. Good. Get out there, play the line, play hard, and all is forgotten. Yep, I would agree. And, you know, the the other part of that is – He's committing to a program with no OC. You know, we have we have no offensive coordinator news, and we have, have nothing I, on the horizon. I agree. Immediately, I, I believe that Paul Chris was offered the job, and he turned it down. I think that kind of set Iowa back because I believe that they had basically had agreed in terms, but something fell through. Paul backed out, and I think this is setting that search back. It, it's at least. Kirk kept saying, we should know something by the third week of January. We should know. Well, I think now that Paul Christ has said no to the job, I think now you're going to start over because I think you had all your eggs in that basket. Well, and I think it was a money situation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised because Kirk's not going to be willing to pay a guy to come in as a first-year coach for him. Now, Paul Christ being, you know, obviously a seasoned head coach. Right. But he's not going to want him to come in and, and make more money than the Royals winner, you know, and, and rightfully so. And truthfully, you know, Paul Chris might have come in and said, hey, I'll take the OC job at whatever you said, but I want to have first crack at head coach when you're gone. 
That could be. And Kirk might have said, well, that's not up to me. That's up to the current AD, whoever that may be at the time, to Board decide. And too. I can't guarantee that, and I can't say that you're going to be 100% in that job. Or, you know, it could have been the other. It could have been, I want full control of the offense, and he's not willing to give that up. Yeah. You know, we, we just don't know. And we, it's we speculation don't. on our part. Right. So, you know, but I think. What do you do now? Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you look at non-Power 5? Do you look at FCS? What do you do? There's good non-Power 5 OCs out there. Agreed. You look at the, the, the group of five teams, the, the Liberties, the Coastal Carolina. James the, Madison. Uh, James Madison, the yeah. MAC teams, some yeah. of the MAC teams. Toledo. There's guys that would probably jump at the opportunity to be the offensive coordinator at Iowa and do it for probably three times what they're making at, exactly. at Western Michigan or, or Ball State or wherever, you know. And it comes right back to Kirk Ferentz again. How much are they going to – are they going to want to put their name on the Kirk Ferentz offense? Are they going to sign up to say, okay, I will run your offense, coach. I'll put my stuff aside even though I'm unsuccessful. I don't know. Do you do that? Do you, do you accept the – five hundred thousand dollar bonus or even more to, to move to that level and then look at say three years down the line i want to i'm making a name for myself i want to move on and you're you could just basically write your own ticket in a lot of places at that point and i look at a guy you know not necessarily i, I don't know him by name i i just look at the system that they run i look at a south dakota state that's very similar to an iowa system and you could bring in the OC from South Dakota State. Now, I don't. it's not going to be a big splash hire. You know, it's not going to be a, a move-the-needle type of hire, but it could be a solid enough one that kind of not necessarily runs the same offense, but runs the same style of offense with a twist. You know, it's, again, all they have to do with the, with the defenses that they're putting out there, all they have to do is get into the 80th percentile or 80th uh, range there. Yeah. And you've got a team that's going to be in the college playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With this defense, with what we've got coming back, oh my God, um, just just make an average offense, mm-hmm. and I think you'd be you'd be right there. You'd be ranked in the top ten, probably. <laughs> if we could get an offense in into the eighties, our fan base would be overjoyed. Yeah, I mean that's when when was the last time that we had anything under an uh, under the eighties? In offense, it's been a while. It's been a while, and you know, and and you don't have to go that far away from what you're already doing because you think back to 2019 with Nate Stanley. That was a Brian Ferentz offense, but it was a good offense. That was an offense that averaged what 34 points a game. But what was the difference then versus now? Is it offensive line? It's offensive line. You're looking at uh, athlete. Uh, a quality of athlete that was a little bit step above, and that's what you need to run Kurt's offense. Well, and, and you also had a quarterback that was above average. You know, Nate Stanley didn't get a lot of praise for while he was here, but and, and I was one of the first ones to say I didn't think he had it in him, but I'll be the first to say I was wrong. I, I The kid, you know, after what we've seen since him, I'd take Nate Stanley back in a heartbeat. And then, left, you know, no offense to Deacon Hill, but I'd have taken Spencer Petrus back last year over Deacon Hill. You know, one of the things, too, that I think that we maybe overlook a little bit, too, is the Iowa offense this year. You could not do rollouts because no. 
Deacon Hill was too slow. And in, even before Deacon Hill, you had Cades. you had Cade's knee that wasn't allowing him to, to do that. So you're taking a portion of the playbook. Big and, portion a of the big playbook. Portion of playbook. And you're setting it aside and not even using it going forward. So now you've got this condensed version of the playbook, and you're trying to, to run that with somebody. And instead of making plays and going out and saying, okay, we're going to draw up new plays that are cater to him, you're making him cater, cater to the playbook. And I don't think Deacon, I, well, evidence was that he couldn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know if, if the backups were, you know, it would have been nice if, if Marco would have gotten some, some reps earlier to see, you know, we, we saw in that bowl game passing was not there, but lack of experience. Well, let me ask you something. What, what game would you have been able to put Marco Linez in? I mean, think about that. What game? Michigan championship game? Yeah. Week? To yeah. the point of it wouldn't have hurt? I mean, you can't go to Minnesota, the other game that we lost, because we were in that game. Should have lost. End. I agree. Um, you, you go back to Penn State. We got throttled at Penn State, but Cade was still running. The, mm-hmm. Was still a quarterback then. So then every game after that, what was our next loss? We lost to Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota and, Tennessee. and Tennessee. So it really wasn't a lot of opportunity to put Marco in, in either a blowout loss or a blowout win to get him those reps. And then the fact that Joey Labus was ahead of him, although I don't think Kirk Ferentz was ever going to put Joey Labus in the game. I don't know why, but he had something against him, and that's fine. Joey probably should have transferred after last year knowing full well how things were going to be. Um, but, you know, I would have loved to see Marco in, too, to get some experience. Yeah. At least throw the ball a little bit instead of having, hey, my first throw was in the Tennessee Bowl game. Yeah. It makes you wonder if he's going to want to stay. You know, I, I I don't know. You've got Reeser from Florida coming in, who I think is an even better athlete. Um, you know, let him fight it out for it after you, after Cade's done this year. Yeah. I, you know, if, if God forbid if anything happens to Cade this year and we throw Deacon Hill back out uh, there, I mean I, that's I would be I, quality human being. You know, he's, he was yeah, he's a good kid, good kid. All but he quality doesn't. human being doesn't make a good Big Ten quarterback right. either. He, he doesn't have the talent for Big Ten no. quarterback. So, but you know, going back to Marco Linez, um, he. He could have been. He could be a, a potentially a great athlete, but it, we'll have to see with the OC coming in. He's going to have to work for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and then the fact that all all through the spring, all through the fall, all he did was scout team. He didn't really run the Iowa playbook. He ran everybody else's playbook. <laughs> From the sounds of it, did it well. And and, and maybe that tells you something about our playbook. playbook. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh, obviously. Anyway, yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's uh, move on to a little uh, hard court here. So let's start out with the number two Iowa women's basketball team. Um, had two and zero last week. Um, blowout win of Indiana at home. Um, highly anticipated game and an absolute demolition of Wisconsin. Um, Caitlin Clark being Caitlin Clark, but it's the 
it's the role players that I think are are the unsung heroes. Yeah, they're starting to roll into their yeah. own, I think, a little bit now. I mean, Molly Davis has uh, really stepped up over the last uh, three or four games. Yeah, solid um, player. Like her. You know, I, I love... I love the fact that she, when she gets in the lane, she's got that little scoop layup, and it, it just seems to fall every single time. I don't know how she gets it over them big girls, but she sure does. Um, and, you know, missing Hannah Stolke um, in that both games, I believe, wasn't it? Did she play in the Indiana game? I don't remember. I don't think she did play in the Indiana game, and I know she didn't play in Wisconsin. So, you know, getting her back will be huge. Um, keeping her healthy is huge. They're gonna I'm not need that. sure. Did you hear what the injury was? Is it an ankle Just or lower, lower leg, leg? Is all yeah. I heard. So okay. have to assume that's probably what she probably stepped on somebody's ankle or yeah, you rolled it. Bigger ankle or calf strain, yeah. something like that. Um, sound like maybe it might have been in practice. I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember, remember if there was something in, in yeah. Purdue or not. I, I yeah, I didn't remember seeing her coming out limping or anything. Yeah, but I, I might have missed it. It's that was a week and a half ago. My my memory isn't the best as it was when I was younger. Yeah, and I don't, I don't do a lot of people watch these games two or three times. I just watch them the first time, and I do record them, but I, I tend to watch them a little bit after they're over so that I can skip through all the commercials. Yeah. and just condense it down. But yeah, Kate does. Caitlin does what Caitlin does, and it's really nice to see the other girls stepping up. Gabby had a couple of decent games. Um, Getting her rolling would be yeah. would be huge for this team. I, you can't have a one-person show. I mean, granted, Caitlin can score like nobody we've ever seen, but she can't do it all. You know, we, she's got – and she does dish it off. She gets a lot of assists, don't get me wrong. But it's nice to see Sydney a falter. It's nice to see uh, Molly Davis. It's nice to see Gabby get a few points. Um, Kate Martin starting to hit a few threes down the line. Just getting contributions from everybody. Sharon Goodman even a little bit. Um, yeah, I think the key to beating them is you kind of have to go with the, the thought of Caitlin's going to get hers. I'm just going to stop everybody else from getting theirs. And that might be the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's you, but I'm nobody's sure, been able to stop her yet. I'm sure there's been other coaches that have said the same thing and it hasn't worked out very good for him so far. Yeah. And then I did see a um, video where they had a birthday party for her, and she she uh, provided gifts for the rest of the team on her birthday. That was kind of I kind didn't. Of neat. I, I heard about it, but I didn't see it. What did she? Was it sneakers or something? Yeah, Nike Nike tennis shoes. Oh, well, nice. Yeah, uh, I, I would love to have had a teammate like that. Yeah. Uh, thinks about team over herself so well i don't I, think she's going to be hurting for the money oh with the, all the endorsements the state farms and the other yeah, things she's endorsed she's by nike that. as well nike, so yeah um I, I didn't even realize i was looking it up the other day uh she's she's got an endorsement deal with goldman sachs too IV. <laughs> well yeah IV. I mean, think about the and i know she said it was going to go to the caitlin clark foundation or uh, her uh, Cereal. Cereal, yeah, and it sold out in a matter of a few minutes or an hour. Yeah, People I, were buying it right and left. Yeah, and doing it during a blizzard, basically. Yeah, which, which has been about every other day anymore. Yeah. If you don't like the weather in Iowa, wait a day. Wait a day, it'll change, and it'll come right back. Yeah. So, yeah, the girls, they uh, 
they're on a roll right now. This uh, we've got uh, later today. We've got a Ohio game State. against Ohio State. So, Big game. Yeah, I'm a little little concerned about that because you're going on going on the road to play another ranked team. And Ohio know. State, although they're they're only lost once in the Big Ten, they they still pose a pretty good threat. I think as much, if not more, maybe than Indiana. Of course, it being a road game doesn't help. Yeah. I think if Iowa had Ohio State at, at Iowa, I wouldn't be terribly concerned. But since it's on the road, you just never know. Yeah. So let's jump over and talk a little bit about uh, the men's week they had. Um, it was a one-in-one week. Had yeah. the, the nice win over Minnesota at Minnesota after falling behind early, looking really, yeah. really rough. I, you know, I was trying to get a few things done around the house while I was watching that game, and then I looked over and it's ten to one. And, ugh, I might be watching a movie before long. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, boy, they didn't. They once they turned it around, it was it was a completely different team. You know, like. You know, you've got the emergence of Josh Dix. I mean, that kid has played lights out over the last uh, two or three games. And, you know, you go back to the, the Nebraska game, you know, set a career high, and then he, uh, he breaks that against Minnesota. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in, in my opinion, and, of course, this means nothing, but in my opinion, Josh Dix should start from this point forward. And Patrick can come off the bench as the sixth player. I mean, don't get me wrong. We still need him. It's evident with the Purdue game when you start getting into Would have been nice to have trouble. him yesterday, yes. Yeah. You, you're, when Dembele went down, you had to bring in Evan Braun. I'm sorry. I like Evan Braun as a person. He's not a great Big Ten player at, at this point. He may be eventually, but right now he does a lot of things that uh, will get fouls called on you. I notice there's a lot of times when they don't call fouls, they probably could on the illegal screens. He does that very poorly. Yeah. Um, he sets a screen, and I said, I say it to the wife every time I go watch. He's going to move, and they could call that on him. And surprisingly, they don't often. They have, and it just, uh, you know, and it could be right in a very important part of the game, and we get an offensive foul or an illegal screen, and I, you know, it just. You know, there's a reason he's a walk on. He needs to, he needs to pay attention to what he's doing. You know, and, you know, on that note, I, there's certain, I, I didn't watch, I didn't get to watch the first half of the Purdue game yesterday. Um, and yeah, who did? Well, three overtimes. Yeah. Well, I, I could have watched it on FS1 on, on my Fox app, but um, I had some other things I had going on. But I, there's certain teams in this conference that I have, it, I struggle to watch Iowa play, and Purdue's one of them. Uh, Purdue, Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin. And, and the reason being is just simply the fact that those teams are refereed differently. You know, and, and Purdue's not even so much the whole team. It's Zach Eady is refereed differently. I mean, that you're seven foot four and 300 pounds. You don't need the benefit of the refs helping you on getting, you know, phantom fouls called for you. I mean, the, the guy, what, he had... 17 free throws yesterday? Yeah, yeah, and a lot. And how many of them should he have actually had? Not uh, that many. Not nearly that many. You, know, you had the, the, the Ben Cricky block that was 
foul ball. As clean as you could possibly get, but it was an anticipation foul by, yep. by the officials because, oh my gosh, we can't let him breathe on Zach. You know? Or, you know, Wisconsin, the the amount of hand-checking that gets gets allowed by Wisconsin. I mean, good Lord, I've seen strip clubs have be less handy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're not making excuses for Iowa. No. I just, it's, when you look for it, you see it. I think that there is definitely, um, like you said, there's the referee and certainly seems to favor three or four teams in the Big Ten over everything else. And, and it just, it's frustrating it's to watch. It's obvious and it's frustrating and you wish it wasn't like that. I'd like to see games. And it's very difficult to do. I realize this, but you know, just like the NFL now, they're starting to get people are starting to say, "Well, the NFL is crooked because you know," and they can bring up all these different plays and show, you know, holding calls or well, or you, something that just didn't get called or did get called that shouldn't have got called. You go back to the Kansas City game last week, where Mahomes breaks breaks his helmet. Equipment fault. You have to call a timeout to be able to change that. And they didn't. They just allowed it to happen. And, you know, to me, I I couldn't care less. I don't have a dog in that fight. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I'm not a Dolphins fan. I couldn't care less. But you have to wonder, had it been somebody other than Mahomes, would it have been, hey, you got to call, you got to call timeout there. Yeah. You know, know, certain players are are basically. Because they're the superstars. They're the face of the the league. You know, you got a Mahomes. You've got a. Aaron Rodgers, those guys are the face of the league. You give them benefit of the doubt. I, I, I quit watching the NFL about three years ago. Um, Green Bay was playing Washington, and, and I Taylor Heineke, I think, was quarterbacking for the um, Washington football team at the time, and he dives head first from about the three-yard line, breaks the plane of the goal, gets a touchdown, and the officials – wouldn't give him the touchdown. They called him back, said, nope, he was he was giving himself up like a quarterback in the slide. I'm like, well, but he was diving head first. Yeah, exactly. So they marked it at the at the one and a half, turned the ball over the very next play. Yeah, that's you know, and I'm like, this that's that's very suspect. You have to understand the play as it's developing that he he wasn't giving himself no. up. You know when he's giving himself up. You can't be that strict with the letter of the law sometimes when you see games like that. And you just say, yeah, that's the rule, but really that's not what he was intending to do. I'll give you an example. Was it Josh Allen the other day that looked like he was yeah. getting ready to maybe slide, but he shuffled his feet and he took off and went in for a touchdown? There were people yelling, oh, my God, he was giving himself up. Why didn't you call it? Did he? No. I don't. He yeah, wasn't. To me, it didn't look like. Look like it, to me, it looked like a juke move in a hole. Right. You know, I, I shuffled my feet. And I kind of leaned, yeah. and then I, he takes off. But yeah, it was just it was at that point I said, yeah. to me, I always thought giving yourself up on the slide meant that you were sliding, not yeah. diving. Right. I mean, if, if that's the case, then is every running back giving themselves up if they try to dive for a first down or dive over the top of the goal line? You exactly. know, they're not as protected as a quarterback. I mean, at that point, the, the quarterback's a runner. Yeah. If he slides feet first, sure, absolutely you right. call that. But if he dives head first, 
He's not giving himself up. He's not protecting himself. He's no longer the quarterback. He's a running back yes. at that point. So it was just kind of at that point where I stopped watching the NFL. and I, I just couldn't stomach the fact that that was as blatant of a call as I could, I could think. And just and it seemed like it was because it was, to me, it felt like it was because it was the Packers and, and that's who they were playing. You know, we got to give the benefit of the doubt to the, to the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers. And I just... I, I just feel like there's there's too much of that. Well, they're the face of this this team, or they're face of the franchise, or the face of the NFL. We don't want to, we can't do things that uh, that will be detrimental to them. They get the, they get preferential treatment, so to speak. Yeah, we could get into a whole NFL thing, but we yeah. could pull that back a little bit. Yeah. So men have uh, let's see what have we got? Maryland coming up at home, Michigan on the road. Yeah. Um, Michigan next Saturday. That's a revenge game. We're going to have to get one from them. Yeah, I, I feel like that's. This should be a two and zero. Anything week. less than two and zero should be looked at differently. You know, Maryland is not. Maryland's not the great team at home or right. on the road, although they did beat Illinois in Champaign. I, I just, I'm no, not sold I'm on not Illinois yet either. No. I, I think they're. They're hit and miss. They're hot and cold. Okay, well, let's do this. Give me your top three men's basketball teams in the Big Ten. Um, Purdue. Purdue, number one. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, number two. And I hate and saying that. Um, I don't know. Illinois, by default, number three? Yeah, I mean. Nebraska, four, maybe? Maybe Ohio State. Yeah, I, Ohio I mean, Ohio State got beat by Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Ohio, it just, but then it's a good week, so. Yeah. Um, you can't. I can't really throw Nebraska in because Nebraska's, you know, they've lost. What they lose three in a row before they, and, and to not, I, I no, not to say that the teams they lost to are horrible teams, but they weren't top tier. Well, but they did beat Purdue. This is basically as mediocre of a of a league, outside of the top two, and I'm not even sure Wisconsin could be even considered it, even though they are the number two. Well, technically, right now they're number one. Yeah, but. In my book, Purdue will end up winning the conference. I think Wisconsin will finish second. And after that, it's a crapshoot. I don't think anybody is, can predict what's going to happen. No. I think Illinois would be your odds-on favorite to be third. But after that, it's just a jumbled-up mess. And anybody who gets on a little bit of a hot streak, maybe wins a couple of away games that they're maybe not supposed to win, could end up being right up there. The team that should be better than they are is Indiana. Well, Michigan State, too. Michigan, well, Michigan State. I think ultimately, when when all is said and done, Michigan State will probably end up in the top four or five. Um, but you know, Indiana is the team that has as much talent as anybody. But I I I think their their coach is terrible. I think I think coach, he's horrible. I was just gonna say I think their coaching has not been. I think their lack of discipline. Yeah. Did you see where they get him like an elbow or something to Wisconsin? Player? Yeah, but I watched that video and I mean he goaded him into that. So wow. and he yeah. played into the that's the lack of discipline, like yeah. you said. But you know, I would get a little perturbed if somebody was wiping their sweaty head on my chest too. I'd be like, get off me. So, but you know, it's it's. I had to look and make sure that wasn't uh, uh, Davidson in there again. Oh yeah, oh, he was a dirty player. Yeah. But, so, I don't know. I, basically, my top three is yours. Um, I go Purdue, win, win it, Wisconsin second. And I, I think right now, Illinois third. After that, who cares? 
I mean, Northwestern could be good. I mean, they, I like Northwestern's coach. He's I probably my second favorite coach outside, and I don't even know if he's. I don't even know if I can say he's. I like. I don't feel I like him better than even Fran at this point. But Chris Collins, I if he ever quit, decided to leave Northwestern, I think Iowa should take a look at him. I, I do like him, and I do like Steve Peichel. Yeah, Peichel can play. He can coach defense like nobody yeah. else. I, I'd love to see. And it'll never happen because I, I think Peichel's going to be a lifer at Rutgers because of what he's been able to do. But I'd love to see him be an assistant coach teaching defense and Fran teaching offense. Man, can you imagine the type of team that could be? Yeah, as long as the team bought into the defensive side of yeah. it. Because right now they're not. Yeah, that's it's it's always the bugaboo. And, and you think about it, it's, it's like you said last week, uh, the – People are complaining because there's no offense in football and all defense. And now we've got all offense in basketball and no defense. So yeah. you can't use everybody all the time. I mean, regardless of the defense, Fran's teams are always entertaining. Yeah. I mean, they're frustrating too, yep. but they're always entertaining. Yeah. And you know that very, very rarely are you going to see a team, an Iowa team, put up less than 70 in a game. Very, very excited for the future with uh, Harding and Owen Freeman and Josh Dix, Dembele, some of the uh, Price Sanford. I, I love the core of the kids we've got coming up, you know, the freshmen, sophomores that are going to be the upperclassmen in a couple of years. I think you add a couple pieces in there mm-hmm. and you've got a team that's going to be fighting for the top three spots in the Big Ten. And, and I like the, the incoming freshman class next year with, with Cooper Koch and Chris Tadjo. Yeah. I mean, those, that's some talent coming in. So, yeah. I was a I, team that lives and dies on whether they're shooting the ball well. I, don't, I think they need to start dropping the ball. I think Cricky and Owen Freeman, especially Cricky this year, obviously won't have him next year, but Cricky needs to, to get the ball every trip down at least to touch it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shoot it every time, but they should run the ball through him at least one touch, unless it's a breakaway, obviously. Right. Well, I think that's where that you know that late game situation yesterday, you know, it's seventy eight seventy, we we get a stop and we come down and we kind of got away from what got us back in the game, which was Tony Perkins hitting that little mid range floater right, you know, at the elbow, and we started settling for threes, expecting Peyton to be hitting them, and he wasn't hitting yeah. yesterday, and and you know. We had three empty possessions in a row where we could have cut that to, if you know, if we go inside, we could probably cut it to at least a four-point lead. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you change the whole structure of the rest of the game with the last two, exactly. what, two minutes and 20 seconds because left. you coach it differently at that mm-hmm. point. You play it differently at that point. And I think you you get within three or four at that late stage of the game and literally anything could happen at that point. The crowd's you know, back into it. Purdue starts thinking to themselves, oh, they're, they're coming back. Tighten oh, up. Maybe tighten up a little bit. Maybe they throw an errant, errant pass out of bounds or maybe somebody's fingers are a little tighter than they should be and it goes through. I, you don't know Any how number this of things, goes. You know, but instead, you miss two threes. Kid hits a, a three as the shot clock expires. Now you're down 11, game's over. Yep. You know, you're, you're also under two minutes left. That was a minute and 33 yeah. seconds. Granted, think. we've seen situations where they've come back yeah, in a minute and, minute and a half from 11 down, but that's you don't want to be in that situation very often. You can't plan on that happening no. every game. It's no. not so, 
but yeah, I think you know, I, I think anything less than a two and week this week would be a little bit of a disappointment. I think that's it's very doable. I think the schedule is pretty favorable for them to go on a little bit of a run here. And I think you know, even even uh, Dan Palm Analytics has got them going on like uh, winning eight out of the next nine. You know, so I would be okay. And the only game they had them losing was the Purdue game. Yeah. So you know, I'm okay with that. I, I'm I'm not disappointed in a loss to Purdue. Um, I, I was expecting it. Yeah, I was. I, I was very happy with the fight that they showed and yeah. the fact that you know it could have snowballed when it got to 19 and it didn't. Well, yeah, it kind of snowballed right after half, like it seems to like to do. With the first Iowa. five minutes. Yeah. Until the first media timeout, Iowa just doesn't, they don't seem to come out with a sense of urgency. It just seems like they're tight. And then they start to realize, well, wait a second here, we got to start playing. And then after that second, first, second media timeout, then they start playing pretty good ball. I don't know. Maybe that's just yesterday, but it seems like it happens more often than it doesn't happen. And you can't keep digging those holes. Yeah. But hey, I, again, like I said, I was impressed with the fight that they showed. I think this is a better team, a far better team right now than they were three oh, weeks yeah. ago. Oh, absolutely. They're starting to find themselves. They're starting to understand their roles. They're starting to figure out, you know, the, this this lineup is better than this lineup. Because um, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing the, some of these guys, you know, nothing against Price Sanford, nothing against DeSante Bowen. You're seeing them, their minutes are going down. Yeah. The starters' minutes are staying up high. Uh, provided they can stay out of the foul trouble, you know. Again, I think Freeman gets refereed yeah. differently because, yeah, he breathes on somebody and gets a foul. That that Minnesota game was was really bad. A lot of, of phantom fouls on Ticky him. Tack but, stuff. Yeah, and, and that could be my bias. I mean, being an Iowa fan, I'm always going to say, no, that was all ball. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. That Minnesota game was kind of a was kind of an outlier. Iowa got down early, like you said and just fought back and then just kept them at arm's length the rest of the game and mm-hmm. actually really kind of pulled away from them. Uh, Minnesota wasn't a bad team coming in. I don't think they played really anybody. Uh, I know they'd, they'd won a couple games. They won a game on the road that maybe they weren't supposed to. They beat Rutgers maybe on the road. They beat Michigan on Michigan the road. Michigan on the road, okay. Um, so, you know, did you expect that they were going to be top five team in the Big Ten? No. no. Um, but they had been playing in fact they said something and they won more games already this year than they had last year yeah had they won that game against iowa would have given them their fourth conference win it would have doubled their out their win total from last year you know something too that we forgot congratulations to fran mccaffrey oh yeah winningest basketball men's basketball coach in iowa history congratulations to fran for that yes absolutely um heck of an accomplishment heck of an accomplishment yeah it is and, you know, people want to say what they want to say, but I think Fran McCaffrey is one of the, the nicer guys. And he's, you know, like the guys in, this, in the studio, the Big Ten studio guys, Rayfell Davis especially, he says, I love to play for him. He's a, he's, he's a player's coach. Yeah. He's going to fight for his players. And I think people misinterpret his fiery demeanor as being hot-headed and unstable. But I think he's... He's fighting for his players in those situations, and he's letting his players know, "I got your back, and I will get, I'll get thrown out of this game in protest for you." Yes, you know, and I think that's something that maybe gets lost with some of the fans. But there are times, though, when I could say he's going to get a technical, 
and he's begging for it. I really kind of hope at this point he doesn't get one because it could hurt us. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it can go two ways. You can fire up your team or you can just put your team in the doldrums at that point. Yeah. But it seems to be more often than not you get them fired up and they come out and play a little bit better. But, yeah, congratulations to Fran on uh, big, you know, big accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think we'll wrap up on that and uh, hopefully next week when we uh, reconvene that uh, we've got a couple more victories to talk about we'll, you know, and the women keep rolling and who knows, maybe we'll have some news on an offensive coordinator at that point. That would be nice to know. Um, also, I'd like, uh, like to shout out for the Detroit Lions, Sam Laporta and... The Lions. Campbell. I... And Kittle last night played a very good game. Geno Stone. Geno Stone. Yeah, I just, all the Hawkeyes that are still in the playoffs, I'm just happy for them. And that, typically, I I don't have a dog in the fight. My team didn't make the playoffs, typically. Mine never does. And I like to pick out a team that has the most Hawkeyes on it and say, that's that's who I want to root for. I just, I don't care if I root for the team. I'm more like, let's root for the guys that are playing, that used to play for black and gold. Yep. And you couldn't get a better group than Laporta and Campbell. Yeah. So, you know. And I just like the way the Lions play. I yeah. just, you know, it's. They're kind of my darling at this point. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. They haven't have a big seen game today. With that. They have a big game today. Yeah. Yep. Well, Every uh, game from here on out is going to be big. That might be one I'll watch later. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll. Uh, catch up with you again next week thanks for coming in thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week Bye. Bye.